I'm Massimo Bottura. This is Amanda Cohen. This is David Kinch. This is Mike Anthony. This is Huni Kim. This is Amanda Freitag. This is Richard Blaze. This is Paul Kahn. This is Curtis Stein. This is Stephen Harris. This is Missy Robbins. And you're listening to Andrew Talks to Chefs. I think there's a real creativity that comes out. It's usually during a time of technological innovation, whether it's the Industrial Revolution and then the Arts and Crafts movement came along where people wanted to make their own furniture and, and touch wood literally and, and you know have their hands on things. And during the 1960s with frozen foods and, and all that sort of industry, big, big ag started happening. And then there was this back to the land movement in reaction to that. But now this is a new sort of thing where it's spurning the same interest in getting back to traditional ways of living, but it's not a technological innovation that's happening. It's actually a, you know, very fearful thing that's happening that's keeping us all at home. And so it's more, I don't know if it's boredom or sadness or, you know, this sort of need to connect uh, in a way that is different from how we usually do because we're not able to connect in that way anymore. The date is April 20th, 2020, and that is Celia Sack, owner of San Francisco's Omnivore Books, our guest today on this special report of Andrew Talks to Chefs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is a special report of Andrew Talks to Chefs. I am your host, Andrew Friedman. As always, our great thanks to Sam Pellegrino for covering the production cost of these special reports. We wouldn't have been able to deliver them to you without them. So it is Monday. I hope those of you out there who are able to define or carve out a weekend for yourselves managed to do that this past weekend. Uh, it was actually, we had one very nice day in the New York City area. I was able to go for a hike. It was, uh, per the new guidelines, the first hike that I've taken where I actually brought a mask along. Um, very strange. You know, I, I took the mask down when there was no one around me. And then if somebody was coming the other way and was getting within, you know, six or eight feet of me, I, I put the mask up and then I took the mask back down. Uh, most people where I was, which was actually a fairly um, sparsely populated park, uh, were were doing the same thing. It was very odd, but it was also very heartening to see people observing those guidelines uh, because I think that's what we all need to do until we're out of this mess. Um, our guest today is Celia Sack, the owner of Omnivore Books in San Francisco, a bookstore that I'm very fond of. Uh, more about Celia in just a moment. A um, couple of things that we d started doing here at the top of the week that I do want to reiterate for any new listeners who have found our show during these special reports. One is that our usual format for Andrew Talks to Chefs is deep dive biographical interviews that run usually at least an hour. If you go back in our catalog, either on andrewtalkstochefs.com or on whatever podcast platform you listen to the show on, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever, 
If you go back just a little bit further to before the special reports started, you will find about 115 episodes of long-form biographical interviews with a lot of chefs that you're probably familiar with. And I would encourage you during this lockdown time, if you are looking for a way to spend your time, pass your time, a lot of those interviews are quite wonderful. And I hope you'll take some time to peruse and enjoy the ones that might be most interesting to you. I also need to mention, because I've had actually from some guests recently, uh, some some questions, and I guess there is still some confusion out there, but this is now an independent podcast. We've been independent since the late summer. Uh, we are no longer affiliated with our former host network. If you listen to episodes 90-something and earlier, you will still hear station IDs and whatnot for the network we used to air on. Um, those shows will always sound like that. Those spots will always be in place, but we are independent. And the official home for the show is andrewtalkstochefs.com. Please visit that site, bookmark it if you're looking for the most current information about the show. Or of course, you can just stay in touch at your favorite podcast platform. Again, that would be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can subscribe for free in all of those locations, and that's all you really need to know. But the main point I wanted to make is that we are now independent and have been for many months, and that andrewtalkstochefs.com is the official home for news and episode postings for the show, as well as for our blog, Tokeland. So our guest today, as I said, is Celia Sack of Omnivore Books. Now, if you listened to the special report we did a few weeks ago with Ken Concepcion of Now Serving in Los Angeles and Matt Sartwell of Kitchen Arts and Letters in New York City, you probably heard that I had also invited Celia to be on that show. My hope was that she was doing fine and was just too busy processing mail orders to get back to me. That that ended up being the case. And I did hear from her the other day. And I'm thrilled to have her on the show today. And I also hasten to point out for people whose finger might be, get your finger away from the fast forward button, get your finger away from the advance button or the reverse button. Do not skip this show. It is not just a rehash of what I talked about with Ken and Matt. And I was reminded as I was thinking about this conversation that Celia and I had of the great late film director Robert Altman. He made movies like MASH and L.A. Shortcuts and The Player and Nashville. Just a great, great director. And he said toward the end of his life that he felt like he had actually been making one long movie his entire career. And I am not comparing myself by any stretch to Robert Altman, but that is how I look at these special reports. I do kind of see them as one kind of contiguous, ongoing conversation that I'm just happen to be having with many different people in many different places. And Celia and I do, of course, talk about books, and that's very important, but we also talk about all kinds of things in this conversation, cooking, human connection, time, and a lot more. It, it's also funny to me that, you know, although I've visited Omnivore Books many times and I've spoken to Celia many times in person, this is easily the longest conversation we ever had. It's easily the deepest conversation we ever had. And we weren't even on a, on a Zoom or a visual connection. We were talking, uh, you know, over the phone at this very surreal time. And I think it's very fitting in light of the conversation we have uh, that you're about to listen to that we actually, this was probably our most personal conversation we ever had. I feel like Celia and I got to know each other a little bit more 
than we ever have in the past because, you know, when I do visit the store, when I'm in San Francisco, inevitably another customer comes in or she has to answer the phone or she's trying to get work done. And and that's all as it should be, um, you know, but in the context of this conversation, I did reflect as I was listening back to it, you know, that we had time right now for this conversation. We had a reason to have this conversation uh, that we no- normally didn't have. So, you know, this very strange, awful, painful time that we're all going through is also gifting us moments like this. So that's my feeling about this. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Uh, Celia, again, is the owner of Omnivore Books, which is a beloved bookstore in San Francisco. It is a culinary bookshop. And I do, in the interview, explain why, but it's it's a place I got to know very well over the last decade. And, and you'll, you'll hear the brief explanation of that in the conversation. So I don't think I need to say anything else about it. And this is it. This is my conversation recorded just yesterday, Sunday, April 19th, my conversation with Celia Sack of Omnivore Books. So Celia, thank you for calling in. Uh, I do like to start these conversations sometimes by asking people where I am speaking to them from. Ah, I am in this tiny West Marin town of Tamales. I'm looking out my window at a field of cows and calves who are feeding on grass. And yeah, it's very uh, peaceful up here. They have no idea. They have no idea. <laughs> it's green. It's nice. There's a cat stalking, stalking yes, gophers right. walking across the field. No idea. Right. So. <laughs> Your bookstore, as you know, and I'm sure I'll have mentioned this when I add the intro to the show, you know, it's very dear to me. When I, During the five years I was writing my book, I, I stayed a lot with Sean and Renee Baker, uh, a chef couple who live not far from you. Yes, I love them. They're great customers. And I came into the store quite a bit. I got to know you a little bit. You subsequently had me in for a talk. Um, so I did I did want to, uh, beyond wanting to support independent bookshops, um, you know, I did want to really check in with you. So tell us how 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 have you, I guess the verb we're all using now is pivot. How have you pivoted to the, the current moment, the temporary moment? Uh, with your business? Well, uh, we luckily already had a pretty strong online presence, um, especially for the antiquarian books that I sell. Um, About a third of my shop is rare and antiquarian, and that's how I actually, my background was in that, so that's how I got into this. But uh, I also have a page of new cookbooks, and usually I would just put up there, you know, sort of imports or uh, chefy books, things that, that came in that were unusual. You couldn't just find regularly online. But for this, uh, we started putting on a a lot of regular cookbooks that were sort of new and and fun and interesting and good for the pandemic. And in fact, my, I, I'm also paying my employees their full salaries to stay home, but I want to give them some busy work. So, um, my manager put together a page that we call quarantine quenchers and it's all books like, you know, cooking beans and staying at home and, uh, things like that and good, you know, literature to put on the website. And we've been selling those like crazy. It's great. I do a lot of shipping around the country but also I own the pet store that's next door to us as well with my wife. And so, and they're still open because they're an essential business. So people can actually just stop by and pick up their books from there if they, if they want to avoid the shipping charge. 
That's great. Yeah, I'm actually on your website. I had it open before we started talking. I am looking at your quarantine quenchers <laughs> page or the the first page of I guess it's what is it about seven or so? Maybe it's more. Yeah. Uh, but I'm looking at the top, and it does say here we've created a list of books perfect to help fill idle time. Learn to ferment, bake some bread. Finally, that that has. That's been a crazy phenomenon at this whole moment. Oh my God, I keep running out of sourdough books. It's crazy. <laughs> well, nobody can buy flour anywhere. Uh, yeah, we, well, we yeah. We just turned to cake flour. We've started experimenting with cake flour in, in pizza dough and things like that because we can't get flour. Oh, that's so funny. I know, it's crazy. Um, but to finish here, slow cook a big batch of something delicious, read a memoir, or delve into our excellent food history section and most definitely- look into a new cocktail book. That's another thing that seems very much um, in vogue right now. I've never seen people bragging so much about how much they're drinking. <laughs> I know. Everyone has time to, to you know, I mean, it's funny. I keep joking that actually my store should be deemed an essential business because people are cooking for the first time, a lot of them, and making cocktails. And, you know, David Leibovitz has a new book out um, on uh, French cocktails, and that's been super, super popular. But, yeah, people are having time to experiment with a lot of things. It actually reminds me a little of 2008 when I first opened, and it was the bottom of the recession, and all these people in the Bay Area were laid off from their tech jobs and started experimenting with making their own jams and pickles and beer and bread and things like that, and even starting their own businesses in them um, because they had nothing nothing else to do. And it sort of reminds me of that. The DIY section um, gets is you know finally popular again. It's back in vogue, and people are really taking their time to uh, to learn how to make everything pretty much. Do you have any philosophical observations or theories about this moment? I do feel like times of crisis do tend to bring out this sort of almost, um, you know, animal thing in us. Uh, it, it starts to sound very cliched very quickly, but this, this need and desire to, to create, to, to nourish, to mm -hmm. take care of each other, to take care of ourselves. Yeah. I think there's a real creativity that comes out. It's interesting. It's usually during a time of technological innovation, whether it's, it was, you know, the industrial revolution and then the arts and crafts movement came along where people wanted to make their own furniture and, and touch wood literally and, and, you know, have their hands on things. And then, you know, in during wartime, there were victory gardens and, you know, everyone was making bombs, the government was, but then people were getting into their gardens and touching their own food and, and growing it. And during the 1960s with, um, you know, with frozen foods and, and all that sort of industry, big, big ag started happening. And then there was this back to the land movement, um, to, to in reaction to that. And so now it's kind of interesting. I mean, I and then I would say in 2008 with technology and, and uh, in computers and people started wanting to have their hands on things. But now this is a new sort of thing where it, it's, it's spurning the same interest in getting back to traditional ways of living. Um, but it's not a technological innovation that's happening. It's actually a, a, you know, very fearful 
thing that's happening that's keeping us all at home. Um, and so it's more, I don't know if it's boredom or sadness or, you know, this sort of need to connect uh, in a way that that is different from how we usually do because we're not able to connect in that way anymore. Um, but it's really, it's really making people so creative and going in new directions and taking the time. I mean, I think oftentimes about not just with food, but how is this going to be different? How are men going to go back to work after this, after getting to be fathers at home for a long time. What's that going to be like for them? This is the first time that a lot of them have gotten to experience that. I'm sorry if that's not sexist to say just men, but um but it's kind of true. A lot of a lot of guys haven't been at home with their children, especially for this kind of extended period since they were babies. So they're getting to experience that and you know, and for a whole generation of kids, they're actually going to have really good memories of being with their families and their parents. My nephew is 11 now, and I've never seen him happier in his whole life than getting to hang out with his folks. They own a wine bar and wine store in the city, and and he's there all day with them doing his homework and hanging out, and he's just really happy to have them around. So it's it is interesting that there are going to be some some silver linings to this. And I think the cooking part of it is a big part of it. A lot of people are cooking for the first time who always used to get takeout or, you know, used to cook maybe once or twice a week. And now they're having the time to, to really hone their skills, which is great because they'll come out of this realizing that it's not that hard to cook and, and you can do it pretty quickly and, you know, and inexpensively. And it's kind of fun. And it can also be, you know, I had a friend, uh, I still have him. His name is Tom Valenti. He's a chef in New York City. Um, sure. And, and Tom used this term once in an interview. You know, he, even after he had become sort of, a, you know, an executive chef and an owner, he he never loved being at the restaurant all through service at night, but he loved coming in first. He was always the first one in in the morning and he used mm-hmm. to come in and make, you know, make his, you know, sauces and mayonnaises and all this stuff. And he used the term once in an interview, he liked to come in and commu- commune with the ingredients. And that always stuck in my head. And that's great. I, love I it. do think cooking is this time. Like for me, I'm in a house suddenly I'm used to, you know, having my house to myself all day. And all of a sudden, you know, there's three other people here full time. And, um, but when you go into the kitchen and start cooking, you, you, it's almost like putting on headphones in a way, you know, it, it does, Mm -hmm. you, you do sort of go into your own space. You go into your own mental space. You go into your own sort of time frame or, you know, time moves at a different pace, I think. Um, and it's, it's an, it's a real sort of, um, escape. Well, and I'm always trying to convince people of that, um, you know, during regular times when they say they don't have time or energy to cook after work. I'm always like, actually, it's really regenerative to do that because it, it makes a break from your regular day. And now people are sort of getting to see that even though they're not, it's not breaking from, from a work day, but, um, you know, they're getting to sort of take the time in the kitchen and see that, yeah, it puts you in a totally different space, head space. Yeah. And then again, this sounds very cliche and corny, but it's very true. And then you get to share it with people, you know, you do yeah. something really nice for people. What kind of interactions are you having with existing customers who may be looking for new things? And then have you established any new either, over the phone or sort of electronic pen pal relationships with new customers of Omnivore? 
during this time? Yeah, both, both. I'm having a lot of people write to me for suggestions and uh, advice about um, which cookbook would be right for, somebody just wrote me about seeing a picture of my store with books on making vinegar in the background and, you know, which ones do you like and which are good? And I think I'm going to start experimenting with that or, you know, people asking, you know, I've loved blood bones and butter and um you know anthony bourdain which memoir should i go with next and things like that it's really really fun to advise people on that um and i even have a signed cookbook club that people can sign up for where they get four books a month or four books a year um that are signed and that's always fun because people can tell me sort of their general interests and then i love getting to pick what books i'm going to send them um so and with new customers yeah it's been really fun to hear what they're interested in and then uh you know have them respond to me about what they liked and what they what moved them and inspired them uh, so it's, yeah, in both cases, I've, I've sort of developed further relationships with people. And, you know, I have to say it really, it feels like this, you know, this may sound cliche, but this love coming back to me from all the years that I've given free events and, uh, you know, worked so hard to curate my store into, into cookbooks that, work well and that are written well and that I really like and and find inspiring. And uh, also, I think because I'm paying all my employees their full salaries still when a lot of big corporations, including like Amazon, are not, um, it feels really, really good to have people support me during this time and tell me that they're ordering for me because they love my store and they want to see me succeed and they appreciate that I'm paying my employees to stay, to be able to keep living in San Francisco and living at all. And it just feels really, really good to to reap those rewards and see that, you know, they, they like me. They really, really like me. So... <laughs> So I'm old enough to get that. I'm old enough to get that joke. (laughs) You know, you just said it. I've said it two or three times. These things do sound very hokey and cliched, but that has to be incredibly gratifying to have. I think this is what, look, this show's normally uh, exclusively about talking to chefs. And I think restaurants are experiencing the same kind of connection with long-term customers, you know, um, uh, people who are supporting them, however they're doing it, through through ordering uh, curbside pickup or supporting their relief funds. Um, I I do think that it's very. I mean, as an, I mean, I even get this kind of. I've never had more direct messages, emails, whatever from listeners to this show than I have in the last month. You know, just saying like, thanks for thanks for wow. doing this five nights a week. You know, and that that means the world. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think people are starting to my wife often talks about this that that you know it's hard for people to really appreciate that their support of small business and small bricks and mortars mean that their neighborhoods stay a neighborhood and now they're now they're really missing that because they're seeing that they're closed and what it's like in a neighborhood where where there aren't businesses that are thriving and hopping and they, you know, that appreciation is coming out in all sorts of ways. And they're also seeing that our small businesses are the ones that really 
contribute to our our local neighborhoods and and areas. I mean, we, you know, I've I've seen so many reports about, you know, a local, I don't know, window company that's now making plastic guards for free for the post office or for hospitals and things like that where like it's the small businesses that are really contributing and showing their love for the neighborhoods and then those neighborhoods are really giving back and showing it to us so if it you know I try to see a lot of silver linings during this because it just makes me feel better and that's definitely a big one. Yeah, and I think kind of a subtext to all this is, and I would put, I mean, tell me if you disagree, please, but I would put, you know, an independent bookstore like yours in the category of service industry. And, you know, I think in general, you all are there to provide for your customers and, um, you know, the way restaurants provide for their customers. And, um, you know, uh, I think the, it's been very touching to watch how the the customers are. I mean, look, they're still you're still giving them a book, right? It's not charity. You're still selling to them, right? But that <laughs> still they are selling them something. Yeah, but they are going uh, whatever minimal extra effort it takes to order at this time. Uh, That's right. You know, they are going to that trouble, and they're doing it with a lot of bookstores, especially in San Francisco. I know you know Green Apple. I mean, there are just tons of independent bookshops that are experiencing the same waves of loyalty and appreciation. And that is wonderful. And we do, you know, yes, we're making money, but also like I boxed up, I I read a great, uh, or saw actually on CNN, a report about this place uh, in Detroit called the downtown boxing gym that is like an after school place that a lot of kids go to work out and get exercise. And now they've sort of turned into almost a distributor of food and other goods and people can just come in and get what they need. So I boxed up a whole bunch of cookbooks that uh, I had gotten credit for because they were just slightly dinged or damaged. Um, I boxed up a whole bunch of those and some extra children's books that I had around and sent them to them and said, you know, please put these with some of the meals and distribute them to, to people. So, you know, we do try to also um, give give as much as we get. It's um, And I think a lot of independent bookshops are like that. And, you know, in Spain, um, bookstores were actually deemed an essential business, which I love. It's great. It's great. A couple of final questions. The Has anything surprised you about what people are buying right now uh, in the way of the books? Is, have any titles kind of taken off in a way that you just wouldn't have seen coming? Yeah, there, there are several. I mean, besides the bread books, I knew bean books would do well, but um, the bread books have just been flying off the shelves, which is interesting. And I think the sourdough, especially because it doesn't call for yeast. So people are are liking that. But yeah, there's several titles like um, the Aloha. Um, th- there's a, a cookbook um, about... Uh, Hawaii. And it's a wonderful, wonderful book and shows a lot about Hawaiian culture. But I was surprised to suddenly see that um, start garnering a lot of interest. And my Mexico City kitchen and, you know, people are sort of armchair traveling right now. And so there's, yeah, Aloha Kitchen is the name of the the other one. Um, A lot of people are armchair traveling and really enjoying uh, just sort of making their way around the world in uh, in their cooking. So that's been kind of interesting. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Um, okay, last question. Uh, most people who, not all of them, but most people who, people who listen to the show are cooks and chefs. Um, I mean, professional cooks and chefs. 
Uh, a lot of them are obviously a little bit on a budget right now, so maybe not the coffee table books. But what are you what are, what are you liking right now for that population? What would you recommend to people who might be listening in the market for a book? Um, you know, for someone who's you know, away from their restaurant kitchen right now and has some time on their hands? Well, if they have time to read some stuff, there are some great books out there that like um, uh, Ilana Reagan's book, Burn the Place, is a really fun one. Yeah, that's a uh, a pretty uh, inexpensive memoir and it's a wonderful uh, journey about this this woman who's a chef in Chicago and ended up buying some real estate up in northern Michigan to um, to start a smaller restaurant and and uh, cabin up there. Uh, that's a really really good one. Any of the memoirs, I mean, Jacques Pepin's The Apprentice, um, the you know Michael Twitty's book about. Um, about African-American roots of cuisine in America. All of those are really, really interesting to read and fun. Um, there's a new book by Blaine Wetzel called um, uh, Lummy Island, and it's all about his cooking up in Washington State uh, on one of the islands there, and that's a really great one for more high-end chefs. Also, The Art of Escapism Cooking is really fun. Um Especially right now, I tried to make my my front window all titles that apply to right now. There's every day is Saturday, always home. Let's eat in, um, <laughs> tortellini at midnight. I tried to <laughs> I tried to really make it a funny window that I love people walking by and laughing. It makes me so happy. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Well, and, and so here's my final. And first of all, I should say, and I'll, I'll link to these in the episode page for this episode. Uh, some of the people you just mentioned have actually been on these special reports we're doing. Uh, mm. uh, Elena Reagan was on. Jacques Pepin was on um, uh, just in the last few weeks. So on the episode page for this show, I will link to those conversations and then maybe people buy those books. Cool. Yeah. And they're all on my website. So you can find those links if you need them. That was my last question. How, how what is the best way for people to order and engage with you? Should they just go to the site? Yep. Just go to the website. If they don't see something that they are looking for, they can always send me a quick email. It's just info at omnivorebooks.com. Um, but mostly everything is on there. Just go to the either quarantine quenchers or the new books page to look for newer cookbooks that are just out. And we even have some pre-orders on there that you can make uh, for books. But those are, that's the perfect way. And and you can just search for the, whatever book you're looking for and you'll find it. Great. Yeah. Okay. So we'll put links both to the general site and to the Quarantine Quenchers page. Awesome. Uh, uh, on the episode page for this. So Celia, thank you. I'm so glad this worked out. Oh, and thank pleasure. you for your time on a, on a Sunday. Of course. Thanks for calling. I really, really appreciate it. And that's our special report for today. Again, my great thanks to Celia Sack for making the time to chat with me, especially on one of her days off. I would encourage you to please visit Omnivore Books. That is omnivorebooks.com. I will also have links to both the general website and to the Quarantine Quinchers page on the episode page for this conversation at Andrew talkstochefs.com. So if you don't remember the website, just visit the episode page for this show and you will see links there. If you enjoyed this show, please explore our archives at andrewtalkstochefs.com or on your favorite podcast platform. And please tell your friends. 
I'd love to hear from you about any topics you might like to hear covered in these reports or suggestions you might have for how they could be better or more useful. Please message me at Chef Podcast on Instagram, or you can shoot me an email or voicemail via the links at the bottom of the Andrew Talks to Chefs website. Our thanks to Wild Turkey Surprise for today's opening music and to After School Special for the music you are listening to right now. Please seek them out online and enjoy more of their music. Thanks to our engineer, Margaret Kelly, for mixing this show. Our thanks to Sam Pellegrino for making these special reports possible. And thank you all for listening. Take care of yourselves, take a breath, and we will all get through this together. See you tomorrow.